1: Good
0: morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. And we start with a difficult but important question. Does California U.S. Senator Diane Feinstein, who's 88 and a giant of American politics, still have the mental fitness to do her job? Well, according to reporting by San Francisco Chronicle Washington correspondent Tal Copen, there are many instances of the Senator's memory failing. Copen's reporting is based on conversations with four U.S. Senators, including three Democrats, as well as former Senate staffers and a California Democratic member of Congress all wish to remain anonymous because of the sensitivity of the issue. Here's Copen.
2: The overriding theme was that Senator Feinstein's short-term memory is really increasingly problematic. Two of the senators I spoke with say there are times where they get the sense that she doesn't fully place who they are. And her Senate colleagues also all expressed a degree of concern, different degrees, that It's increasingly difficult for her to be doing the job of a senator, and it's a painful subject for many of them. There is a deep, deep reverence and respect for Senator Feinstein. I think in Washington and in California, no one I spoke with took any pleasure in having these conversations.
0: Copen says Feinstein's office declined to talk to the Chronicle, but issued a statement on her behalf saying in part that the senator is still serving and delivering for the people of California and that she'll put her record up against anyone's. Let's turn to the pandemic. A bill to tighten COVID-19 vaccination requirements for California schoolchildren has stalled in the state legislature. KQED Politics reporter Guy Marcerotti has more.
3: Governor Gavin Newsom issued an executive order last year to require COVID vaccines in schools, but parents could opt their kids out for personal beliefs. Legislation from Sacramento Senator Richard Pan would have closed that exemption, like the state has done for the measles vaccine. But now, Pan says, until more kids have access to vaccines, quote, a statewide policy to require COVID vaccination in schools is not the immediate priority. The bill's failure to even get a vote comes with weeks after a bill to require COVID vaccines in workplaces, met a similar fate. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzorati.
0: Now that many COVID restrictions have eased in California and all of us are figuring out how to live our lives going forward, we thought we'd check in with someone we first met at the very beginning of the pandemic. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has that story.
4: Remember early on in the pandemic when a cruise ship was redirected to the port of Oakland because of a COVID-19 outbreak on board? A bunch of passengers were eventually transferred to quarantine at Travis Air Force Base. And one of them was San Francisco resident, Hinda
3: Gilbert. It was a bridge cruise. So I'm a bridge player and I play a lot of tournaments, although I haven't in the last couple of years.
4: I first spoke with Gilbert by phone a few days into her quarantine at the base southwest of Sacramento. The last place she probably could have ever expected she'd wind up when she booked her vacation. She had been hesitant before she left because there had already been a major COVID-19 outbreak on another Princess cruise ship, which stranded those passengers off the coast of Japan.
3: I called up Princess and they were not going to give refunds at that point. So I decided that I would just go ahead with it, even though some of my friends and relatives didn't think it was a really good idea.
4: Eventually, there would be more than 120 cases and six confirmed deaths linked to the COVID outbreak on her cruise. But Gilbert was lucky and has stayed healthy throughout the pandemic. We finally met in person recently and talked at her kitchen table in her home in San Francisco's Lower Pacific Heights. When she got home from quarantine, she was living in a completely different world, she says, and her formerly very active life had been upended.
3: Basically, I stayed home, and I do a lot of things like symphony, opera, ballet, plays, theater, uh, working out. I did nothing.
4: She says she's lost weight because she just isn't eating as much as she used to, and she's lost strength because she isn't keeping the same exercise regimen she had a few years ago. Recently, she says, she went back and looked at her date books from the early 2000s, The difference between her life then and now is night and day, she says.
3: I mean, I've traveled all over the world, not thinking twice about those trips. And so it's kind of depressing to think that maybe that part of my life is over.
4: Gilbert says, though many people may think slowing down is natural for an 84-year-old, she's not ready to shift out of the active phase of her life yet.
3: I don't really want to keep living This closeted life, in a way, where I'm not doing the things I love doing.
4: She says she's going back to Pilates and physical therapy soon to regain her strength.
3: The other thing I've been talking about doing is writing a book. In my prior life, I started and ran a software company. And after 15 years, I sold it to a publicly traded company. And I want to really write about that adventure.
4: Gilbert says she often didn't get credit for her work as a young female in her field, and she thinks she has some valuable lessons of resilience she could share.
3: And I think if I can get myself focused where I feel I'm, I'm doing something, not just existing, even if we go through some periods of more COVID, and that I'll feel like I'm accomplishing something.
4: For The California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin in San Francisco's Pacific Heights.
0: That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. The California Task Force Studying Reparations for the Descendants of Enslaved Africans has approved its report on why reparations are necessary. KQED's Annelise Finney has more.
4: The report will be the first government-issued document to examine anti-Black racism in more than 50 years. At the task force meeting this week, member Donald Tamaki said he hopes the report creates a model others will follow. I think the report will be looked upon nationally.
3: But some people in the audience
4: were hesitant to celebrate
3: so soon. I think what is important or more relevant is what is the state going to actually enact. So having a report that doesn't actually lead to legislation that becomes actual repair is fruitless. That's community
4: activist Friday Jones, who came up from L.A. to attend the meeting in person. Over the next year, the task force turns to perhaps the harder question. What form should reparations take? It's expected to recommend a plan to the state legislature in the summer of 2023. For the California Report, I'm Annalise Finney in San Francisco.
0: In environmental news, state regulators are recommending that the western Joshua tree not be designated as a threatened species. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi has the story. The western Joshua tree was given interim protection under the California Endangered Species Act in 2020 after the Center for Biological Diversity filed a petition claiming trees were likely to become endangered because of climate change. But on Wednesday, the Department of Fish and Wildlife issued its own report recommending against listing the trees as endangered. It reads like a document that was written by lawyers for the fossil fuel industry rather than the Newsom administration, which purports to be playing a leadership role in climate change. That's Brendan Cummings with the Center for Biological Diversity. Cummings says scientific modeling has shown that if temperature changes continue on the current trajectory, nearly the entire species would be knocked out in its namesake Joshua Tree National Park by the end of the century. A final decision by the Fish and Game Commission is expected in June. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. It can be hard to imagine anything living in the deepest and darkest depths of the world's oceans. But the seafloor can teem with life. That ecosystem, though, is under threat from climate change and plastic pollution. And a new threat now looms. Deep sea mining. As we hear from reporter Erica Mahoney, a new exhibit at the Monterey Bay Aquarium aims to show why the deep sea should be protected.
2: The new exhibit is called Into the Deep, Exploring Our Undiscovered Ocean. Beth Redmond-Jones helped create the exhibit. She says there's so much to learn about the deep sea. The deep sea is one of the most unexplored places on the planet. We know more
3: about space than we know about the deep sea.
2: The exhibit takes visitors on a journey from the ocean surface down to the seafloor. Mesmerizing music and dim lights set the mood. Along the way, you get to meet some of the exquisite animals that live in the deep sea, like giant spider crabs from Japan and the bloody belly comb jelly found in Monterey Bay. It shimmers neon colors. Growing up, people always said that the deep sea was scary
3: and there's like these alien animals and this kind of thing, and they're not. There's really quite an elegance and a beauty to them that people don't necessarily expect.
2: The Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute collected most of the animals. Just beyond Monterey's coastline is a deep sea canyon. So if you think about the size of the Grand Canyon, that's how big that one is. So the deep is right here. Some of the animals have never been on display before. Others are brand new to science, discovered during the exhibit's creation. The goal is to share the beauty of the deep sea, and raise awareness about the threats it faces, like overfishing, microplastics, and deep sea mining. That's the process of extracting minerals and metals from the seafloor, including copper and cobalt. Some companies are after these raw materials to make cell phones and batteries for electric vehicles to support renewable technology. They hope to begin mining in a couple years, but scientists are sounding the alarm. That destroys entire communities of animals as well as the
3: habitat that they're in.
2: Amy Wolfram is an ocean policy expert for the aquarium. She says deep sea mining removes the seafloor and creates toxic plumes of sediment that can travel tens to hundreds of miles in the water. All of the animals in the new exhibit would be at risk. So the deep-sea corals that are just so beautiful and so interesting to look at.
1: And these animals live for hundreds if not thousands of years. And some people compare them to the redwoods of the ocean.
2: That's why the aquarium supports a California bill that would ban seabed mining in state waters, something Washington and Oregon have already done. Assemblymember Luz Rivas from the San Fernando Valley introduced the legislation. So in California, you know, recreation, tourism, and the fishing industries together are valued at more than $27 billion annually, right? So I think a threat like seabed mining, it's not just the ecological danger, it's also economic threat to these coastal communities. Companies including Google, Samsung, BMW and Volkswagen support a moratorium on deep-sea mining and pledge to explore alternative sources. As the Monterey Bay Aquarium's new exhibit illuminates, the ocean provides the food we eat, serves as the planet's largest carbon sink, and is home to some remarkable wildlife. For the California Report, I'm Erica Mahoney in Monterey.
0: And that is the California Report for this Friday, April 15th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, and Brendan Willard, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan tobin lindsay And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day and weekend.
4: Support for the California Report comes from Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2023 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
2: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month
1: of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners—